Welcome to Wellness Realness with Christina Rice. I'm your host, Christina. I'm a holistic health coach and the creator of ChristinaRiceWellness.com, where you can find my blog, services, programs, and current ebooks. You can also find me on my other podcast, Straight Up Paleo. In this podcast, I'll be discussing all things related to health and wellness, and I promise to always keep it very real. If you'd like to submit a question or topic for me to discuss, send it in to podcast at ChristinaRiceWellness.com. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and a review on iTunes, and most importantly, enjoy the show. Happy April! If you're listening to this the day it comes out, it's April 2nd, a new month. April is one of my favorite months because it's my birthday on April 6th, just so you know, which is this Friday. As I'm recording this, it's not yet April, but while you're listening to this, if you're listening to it the day it comes out, I am currently in Dallas, Texas with the co-host of my other podcast, Kara, our intern, Kelly, having a ball, having a total blast. And I'm sure we're up to a lot of different shenanigans. So if you're not following along on social media, I highly recommend you do so and see all of the food I eat because that's the most exciting part about visiting people who are chefs is they make you delicious food. So that's what I'm up to. And after that trip, I'm going to skedaddle back to Los Angeles and then I have a whirlwind of a birthday weekend planned for myself very excited about that and also going to record a solo podcast for you guys so make sure that you send in questions or topics that you want me to answer I definitely want to do more solo Q&A episodes so send send those in. You can post it to our Facebook group, Wellness Realness Podcast Tribe, or you can email them into podcast at christinaricewellness.com. You can leave a comment on one of my Instagram posts so I will see, and I'll try and get to everything. The huge giveaway is officially over. Thank you guys so much to everybody who entered. It was such an incredible response and I'm so excited about it and so excited to announce the winners. Once again, I'm pre-recording this intro because I'm about to leave on vacation. So I don't know who the winners are yet because as I record this, the giveaway is still open. But the next podcast I record I will announce the names and I will also announce the names on social media on my Instagram so be on the lookout if you win trust me you will be alerted that you won if you didn't win this time thank you so much for entering and I assure you there will be more giveaways in the future that you can enter into and lot many more opportunities for you to win some cool things. So don't fret. Another exciting update. So I am going to be traveling, come home, have a big birthday extravaganza, taking some time off clients, and then I'm going to come back with a bang and reopen up signups for my Paleo Women Lifestyle Program. It is time to bring in a new group of women and it's going to be a blast. So if you're not familiar with this program, I've run it a few times now and I'm truly obsessed with it and 
it's so incredible to watch these women grow throughout the program to get to know everybody, for everybody to get to know each other. And basically what it is, it's a, quote, five-week program, but really it's a forever program once you sign up. So I have five weeks worth of content for you. So there's five different modules and I pace it out. So each module for each week so we can go through it together. But you also are always going to have access to these so you can go through them at your own pace as well. You can, you know, a lot of the girls will sign up and they say, oh, I didn't have time. So I'll just get to it when I get to it. That's totally fine. But those five different modules, you get weekly PDFs, you get video lectures, you get audio lectures, a ton of content. We cover everything from the ins and outs of nutrition, the paleo diet, the different macronutrients, what they do in your body, how to build a balanced plate. We go over cooking, grocery shopping hacks. You learn a lot about ingredients, what to look out for, brands that might be tricking you. We learn about the top health mistakes women make, how to avoid them. We talk about all the lifestyle factors that go into just living a healthy life. So exercise and movement. We're talking about optimizing sleep, mental health, emotional health, getting enough sunlight in, dealing with family and friends, our relationships with ourselves and our bodies, body image. And we also talk about balancing hormones because it's a huge one, especially for us as women. So dealing with maybe imbalances with our sex hormones, also your blood sugar regulation, cortisol responses, all of those things. We go over everything in depth. But my favorite part of this program, definitely the live group coaching call aspect. So you get live group coaching calls with me, all the other women in the program, and we just chat. And it's so much fun to have everybody on the call and talk about anything you want. And you'll also get access to the private Facebook group where we all just talk and get to know each other and share hacks and information and articles we find. And I update everybody on my life and we just all become BFFs. It's so much fun. So I think this program is really, really helpful because we can sort of all use each other as accountability, all learn from each other. You will make lifelong friends, I promise. And once you're in this group, you're in this group forever. So the materials are always available to you. You get to be on live coaching calls with me forever, as long as you want. Um, Total access to me. And it's just a ton of fun and I can't recommend it enough. And I just love getting to know everybody in the program and just hearing about how it's changed their lives means so much to me and I can't wait for a new round of women. So it's, it's limited spots. I, I don't, I keep it smaller so that I can get to know everybody and make sure there's enough room for everybody on the call. And I think this is also a really great alternative if you've been debating getting coaching, but don't know if you want to do one-on-one coaching, this group atmosphere can be really, really helpful and It's honestly a really, really good deal for your money because you're basically getting health coaching for me, access to me, this group accountability factor, which really helps people make these lifestyle changes and just kind of, I mean, you're going to be in this group forever. So really, really amazing opportunity. And I know a lot of you have been asking me about it and when it's going to open up again. So signups are going to open up April 9th and then the the new program is going to start running on the 16th and we'll go from there. So it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you want to learn more information, I have it all on my website. You can go to bit.ly slash paleo women lifestyle and learn more about it there. And this isn't a, 
there are no requirements for this, you know, and it's also not really about necessarily going paleo. It's this course is for anybody who just is interested in health and wellness and wants to feel better because I have girls in there who have been eating paleo for years and are nutrition nerds like me and love that. And also people who are brand new to just, you know, eating a whole foods diet, maybe are still eating a standard American diet and looking to switch over and want some tips. It's really for anyone and everyone. And the course is cool because it kind of adjusts to whatever you need. That's why it's awesome to have the live coaching. So you can check out more information on my website at bit.ly slash paleo women lifestyle. And if you're not already subscribed to my email list, that's also how I sign. I send out um, reminders about signups and things like that. So make sure you get on that list because I know people are emailing me saying, I missed the signups last time. I keep missing them. So I don't want you to miss them this time. So I'm telling you ahead of time. So really excited for this program and if you are interested or if you have any other questions, you can always email me to ask and I am happy to answer. So that's my main most important update for y'all. I say y'all now, now that I hang out with so many Texas friends. Just warning you. Anyways, I also want to remind you guys about the show sponsor, Somnifix. You guys know that I love my Somnifix mouth strips. So if you don't know what Somnifix is, it's mouth tape that is specially designed, hypoallergenic, does not hurt to take off or apply. It has a little breathable mouth vent in the front. If you have not heard of this, you're probably not following me because I'm obsessed with it and has transformed my life and my sleep. And I keep getting so many people to try it and they fall in love with it and I swear mouth taping is taking over the world and I am obsessed with it because the truth is we really want to be breathing through our noses not our mouths so for me this transformed my sleep personally because I used to wake up a lot in the middle of the night which was hard for me because as a health coach I know that it is not normal for one to wake up multiple times during the night this is not normal. This is an indication from our bodies that something is wrong with our health, with our lives that we need to address. So I was trying to figure that out and I figured it out because of the mouth taping. So I started mouth taping and now I sleep through the night. I sleep so hard. I remember my dreams every morning. They're so vivid and weird and crazy. And if anybody who's known me for a long time knows that I'm sort of notorious for having crazy weird dreams, I used to be really into dream analysis when I was in high school whatever don't ask well you can't ask but that's besides the point the point is that I sleep really hard I wake up actually feeling rested I get at least eight hours of sleep I am a new woman it is incredible so if you have trouble sleeping I recommend trying this but even if you don't have trouble sleeping you should get this as well. It also helps with snoring. It can help with drooling. It can help with immunity, athletic performance. So just in general, we want to be training our bodies to breathe through our noses because that keeps us in our parasympathetic state, which is our rest and digest state. Our sympathetic state is our fight or flight state. So sometimes when we breathe through our mouths, this puts our bodies into the fight or flight state and we get a cortisol spike and we wake up in the middle of the night. But also during the day, I even used this the other day when I was getting stressed out and I just wanted to kind of force myself to breathe through my nose to calm down. I just put one on. 
like in the afternoon and it honestly helped a lot so that's another hack but it's great because it also really helps with immunity if you're somebody who gets sick a lot or if you get a dry mouth you know when you're sleeping with your mouth hanging open all night things can get in your mouth and get into your body bacteria bugs the average person eats eight spiders a year I don't know if that's true but I read it somewhere when I was like eight so I'm gonna pretend like that statistic is correct anyways definitely check out Somnifix I'm obsessed you can use the code CRWSLEEP for 15% off I don't know anyone else who has that high of a discount and better than that once you get your Somnifix take a selfie with it snap it tag me tag Somnifix and I'll repost you and we can just relish in the fact that we love our mouth taping and it's changed our lives and don't worry if it takes you a bit of time to acclimate sometimes it can take your body a week or two maybe less maybe more to get used to having tape on your mouth in the middle of the night but it is worth it for a lifetime of happy sleep let me tell you that so you can go to somnifix.com it will link you to amazon or just go to amazon directly and use that code crw sleep for 15 percent off I think it's about time I introduce today's guest. I am so excited for you guys to hear this interview. And I was so excited to record this and chat because today I have Lisa Bilyeu on the podcast. If you're unfamiliar with Lisa, she is the co-founder of Quest Nutrition. I'm sure you've heard of Quest Bars before and the co-founder and president of Impact Theory and also the co-host of the Sheroic podcast. I first found out about Lisa a few months back when I heard her on my friend Sean Miner's podcast, Keto for Women, and I later heard her again on Julie Bauer's podcast, and I started following her and learning more about her story, and I was just intrigued with her and became obsessed with her because she is such a badass and gives so much incredible advice about business and health and body image and life and relationships and just everything. She is full of so much wisdom and she is so inspirational. And something honestly that first I was really intrigued by was the fact that we have extremely similar health stories. So if you've been following me for a while, if you've heard me on other podcasts or listened to my episode where I talk for 500 hours about my health history, sorry if you sat through that whole thing, but also thank you if you did, um, then you you know my history with, you know, this major weight loss and all these weird gut symptoms and not being able to tolerate any foods and everything is, you know, hurting your stomach and all these things. We have very similar health histories. We both had SIBO. We both basically had to use keto to start healing the SIBO and have battled with this for a long time. We've both been mystery cases. So we just have a lot in common in that respect. And I just relate to her so much. So that was super interesting to me. And I know when we got in contact, she was saying how it was so crazy to her too, how similar our stories were as well. So really fascinating to chat with her. And I just wanted her to come on and share more of her wisdom on this podcast. I think we all have a lot to learn from her because, I mean, she has helped grow so many different, incredibly successful businesses 
in a relatively short period of time. I mean, Quest is a billion dollar company and it was even ranked number two on the Inc. 500 list of the fastest growing private companies. So, I mean, they shot to the top. She knows what she's doing. And she did this amidst so many different struggles with her health. I mean, things got so bad with her gut issues that there's a period of time for six months when she could only have four ingredients. That's crazy. She's also able to do this while still being an incredible wife and partner to her husband and her relationship with Tom, her husband, is really fascinating to me because I think it's so cool when couples work together, work well, and they figured out how to set boundaries and how to support each other and respect each other, and they really know how to make it work. I know this is something that a lot of people struggle with, so I was just so excited to chat with her. And I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. Huge thanks to Lisa for coming on. She is a busy woman doing so much. She's a total badass businesswoman. And I think that you guys are going to fall in love with her as soon as you hear this. So that being said, let's hop into my conversation with Lisa Bilyeu. Hello, Lisa. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm honored to be chatting with you. I know you're such a busy woman, so I'm glad I got to wiggle my way into your schedule. Absolutely. It's my honor, sweetie. No, and I have to tell you, your accent makes me so happy. <laughs> I think podcasts were made for um, people with accents because yeah, I agree. It's very deceiving. Like you just hear the accent and it yeah changes your thinking. It's so like I feel like anything you say is just so beautiful. You could say anything and it just sounds so beautiful. <laughs> but why? Well, thank you. I just had to say that. So okay, for people who maybe aren't familiar with you, can you briefly introduce yourself and tell people who you are, what you do? Absolutely. Yeah. My name is Lisa Bilyeu, um, and I'm co-founder of Quest Nutrition. So if any of you guys have ever eaten a Quest bar, that um, has to do with my husband, myself, and his business partners. Um, we co-founded that um, back in 2010. I can't even remember the dates. Now I'm terrible. <laughs> um, but yeah, took that company from zero to a billion dollars within five years, um, became a unicorn company. And I went from being a housewife to helping my husband in the company. And um, since then, I realized I had a passion for entrepreneurship. And now we've taken our fortunate situation and have spun um, a different company called Impact Theory. So Quest Nutrition deals with the body and helping people get on the right path for the body. And Impact Theory, now we create content that helps people um, make a transformation within the mind. So um, we really figure that um, through our own experiences, things that we've done in the past, to really become successful and grow, you need to make sure that you're taking care of both. Um, and so, yeah, Quest was a well-oiled machine. And so we thought, okay, now it's time to hit the mind. And uh, so that's what we do now. Yeah, I love that you're addressing both aspects of health because I think, I mean, you've had your own personal health journey and I'm sure I've realized that as well, that you have to really address all aspects. Yeah, 100%. Well, before we get into your health story, which is fascinating, I want to talk about Quest because, I mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't know about Quest. I think Quest bars are basically legendary. And <laughs> how did you guys come up with the idea to start that company and to start making those? 
Um, I can't take credit for the idea. It was definitely my husband and his business partners. Um, they had a company, a tech company, and they were completely miserable and they hated it. And I've been with my husband now for 15, we've been married for 15 years. And slowly I would see him come home more and more, just more miserable. And it was because we were trying to um, basically work for money, right? Like, how do we get rich? Yeah. And so I just saw it over time really make him miserable. And eventually they, um, amongst themselves, asked the, you know, what we call now, like, no bullshit, what would it take? Like, what do you actually want to do? And then no bullshit, what would it take to get there? And they were all into fitness. I was into fitness. Their wives were into fitness. And we were kind of all making like protein bars at home. You know, you throw protein powder in peanut butter, you know, you freeze it and you've got like a bar. Yeah. But they're not shelf stable. And so I was like, okay, well, how do we actually make a product shelf stable? And the great thing about the story to me is we were told time and time again, it couldn't be made. Everybody we went to is like, look, there's a reason this product doesn't exist. And I think it then goes back to the mindset thing was like, are you going to listen to those people? Or are you going to say no, like, there must be a way it just hasn't been figured out yet. And that's the approach we took. And um, we started off making them by hand. So we were doing a little rental kitchen, the guys were going to work every day at the tech company. And then they were asking their wives, all three of us were stay at home wives, really. And they just said, hey, can you guys help us out? So we were measuring ingredients at home. We were, you know, kind of just at night going to this rental kitchen. And we were making 8,000 bars. Um, There was like eight of us. And in an eight-hour period, we were, you know, that's what we would do. Um, And then flash forward, you know, five years later, we're making 1.5 million bars a day on, um, you know, machinery, 300,000 square feet of space. Um, and it all comes back to the mindset of we didn't give up and we didn't tell, we didn't stop when people said it couldn't be made. And that to me is what took an idea for, uh, took something from an idea to actually like making it work and then blowing it up into what it has become today. Um, and I carry that mentality and that mindset on everything that I do. Um, it's just don't listen to the negativity and if you believe in it then you're going to find a way as long as you ask yourself no bs what is it going to take absolutely have you always had that mentality um oh that's an interesting question um Kind of, but not in the most sophisticated sense. Mm -hmm. So when I was a kid, um, the first time I came to America, I was like, I was meant to live there. And I used to say, like, I'm going to be the first female director um, because my background is movies and and media. And so I was like, I'm going to be the first female director. I'm going to move to America. I'm going to, you know, um, win an Academy Award, like all of these things. And everyone kept saying, like, you're never going to do it. Yeah, yeah. What are you talking about? And I didn't have a plan. So I was just like, no, no, I'm going to do it because I really believe that if I thought I was going to do it enough that it would make it happen. Um, And so the big thing that I think I was missing is having a plan, right? Like having a grand goal is amazing, but you've got to figure out what those steps are to get there. And if you don't have the steps, then you're literally going to wake up every day saying, why am I not there yet? Um, And so as a kid, I knew that I had the the guts and the um, arrogance, I think, to just say like, no, no, it's going to happen. Like, I didn't understand why people were being so negative on grand goals. Like, it was like, well, I'm not going to live here for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, I know this isn't what I want in life. So if I've got a vision, like, why can't I make it happen? But I didn't have a plan. So I think I took my personality and actually meshed it with, um, 
just knowledge and growth and books and, you know, being around inspiring people and actually figuring out the steps I need to, to then take to make my goal and dream a reality. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, were there any moments during, I guess, when you started Quest that you felt like you guys were going to give up? Um, not really give up, but fail, yes. Okay. Um, and I don't actually think that there's anything wrong with giving up on something if you're noticing that what you're doing and the way you're doing it isn't working. Um, and so I don't think of giving up as a weakness um, depending on why you're giving it up, of course, if you're like, wow, I keep failing. And so there's something ma- massive that I'm missing here. Um, I think stopping, backtracking, figuring that out is very important. Um, but um, yeah, I never felt like we were going to give up because I just thought like our house was on the line. Like, so literally we put every penny we had into the company. And my husband looked at me one day and he said, very honestly, look, if this fails, we lose the house. And so giving up wasn't an option, but failing was definitely always on the table. And we failed many times over and over and over again. But I have now learned that I love the process of failing because I get to learn something. And then that learning experience I get to put into the next thing that I attack. So over time in failing and falling on my face in learning from things that we did with Quest, it's like, wow, I just use that as ammunition and fuel to, you know, for the next thing that I'm about to attack. Yeah, no, and I love that you said that because I feel like a lot of people have this really bad attitude. They say, you know, never give up, you know, never, but there's a, I think there is a time to be smart about giving up and then sort of repivoting and going after something that's smarter. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, that's what's funny is people are like, oh my God, you have the fairy tale story of like you started a company and it grew so quickly and blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, do you know how many companies we started before that? You know, like my husband and I, like I said, we've been married for 15 years together for 17. And we've always tried to find a way to do some work together and do something um, and own ourselves. So we started Billy Photography Company where we were doing headshots for actors. And we started a website company where I was doing website design. Um, I had to learn the skills because I had the raw talent of being an artist. I just didn't have the talent of actually um, creating websites. So I taught myself all along the way. We started a domain company. I mean, so there's all these other things, a real estate company. We were going to buy property and flip it. Um, all these things that we tried and we quit. Now, I don't, I use that word deliberately in this conversation because I think you're absolutely right that people see that as a negative. And I think it's time that we actually broke the mold and said, like, it's not a bad thing if you're doing it for the right reasons, right? If you're doing it because you're lazy, like, oh, I just don't want to do it, I can't be bothered, like, that's a different mentality yeah. to me. But if you, go at something you're like wow you know what I'm not having fun like this really sucks like I thought this would be so exciting and now that I'm realizing the reality of it I am miserable and it's not what I thought it was like walk away immediately and I think that on the side of the opposite side of people quitting is the people that don't want to quit and feel like they're a failure. So they're going to do something for years and years and years that make them miserable. Like that to me is just as crazy as quitting for being lazy. Um, you know, like you have one life to live. And if you know what you are doing right now isn't making you happy or bringing you joy to your life, then reassess, reframe, go down a different path, open a different door, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use. But like, don't suffer through it. And then also, yeah, don't use the excuse of quitting if it just gets hard. Because if you really do want something, it's going to be hard. 
So I make sure that I don't quit because it's hard. I make sure that I quit because it's not the right path for me. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And I agree completely. I think the other thing that's interesting, I mean, I had no idea that you guys tried starting so many other companies before this. So that's really interesting and amazing. And I think it's really fascinating that you and Tom have done so much together as business, as business partners. Um, like, I feel like a lot of couples would have problems working together. Yeah, um, I don't think it's for everybody. But I mean, look, we've um, had to navigate our way through it because I think the dynamic between a business partner um, and, you know, a, a partner in life is very different. And the expectation of your roles is very different. Um you know, so it's um, it's very difficult to navigate, but we absolutely deliberately um, structured our lives like that because we realized very quickly that um, as he was growing, he was like becoming extremely ambitious and really wanted to be an entrepreneur and build a company. Um, I realized that I was, um, as a stay-at-home wife, I realized that I wasn't keeping up with him. And I didn't want to feel like we were having separate lives. That wasn't my reason of why I got married. I wanted to get married to have a partner in life and living separate lives as he's off working 12, 14 hours a day at the office and coming home and not really wanting to communicate with me, socialize with me because he was so tired. I realized this isn't a life that I have asked for or want. And he realized that wasn't what he wanted either. So we just explored all our options. And I think going back to the no bullshit, what is it going to take? It's like, okay, if our goal is to make sure our lives are completely intertwined, and that was our goal. Like we want to be completely intertwined. And as you're growing, as I'm growing, we're doing it together. No bullshit, what is that going to take? And the truth is we need to spend more time together. And I need to be with him or around him and vice versa as he starts going through these growth processes um, so I can witness it for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, working together for us was like, okay, well, I guess that's the path. Yeah, well, I think for some people working with family or friends, significant others can be a little bit dicey. Like they can get into issue. Like, do you have any advice for people who are going to work with people who it's not just a business relationship, it's also an emotional relationship? Yeah, um, I think the advice that I have really encompasses everything, whether you're getting into business with a sister or you're getting into a relationship and your boyfriend or, you know, your uncle, like whatever type of um, relationship I think you're getting into. I think things need to be established from the get-go so there are no surprises. So if you're getting into business with your sister or your partner, you need to establish what each role is in the in the company because you can't have two alpha males. You mm -hmm. cannot have two people that are visionaries. You have to have a visionary and an executor. But the second that both of your skill sets are exactly the same and the second that both of what you want is exactly the same, like the role you want to play – I, at least from my own experience, think that that could end in disaster because now you're competing. Yeah. So with Tom and I, we sat down both in our relationship and in business and we literally laid everything out. Okay, what is the role you want to play? What is the role you want me to play? And then we did it vice versa and saw what our answers were. So in business, you cannot have one person that's going to, uh, sorry, two people that are going to have the final say because there will be circumstances where you butt heads. And so... You can't deny it. You know you're going to butt heads and you should always be respectful to your partner. But what happens when neither of you can convince the other person? 
right? Yeah, Total yeah. respect. You're like trying to persuade them and say, hey, I want you to sit from my perspective and still neither of you will budge. What happens? Well, you can't come to a standstill because your company won't grow. Your company will not progress. So you have to have someone, all right, if this situation happens, then you are the one that makes the final say. And so Tom and I had that discussion. And in our business, it was if we come to a head, he gets final say. He will always be very respectful. We are 50-50 equal partners. But we've agreed that as the visionary, I trust his vision. He Mm -hmm. is tremendous at that. So I trust his vision. I trust he's going to lead us into the right direction. If I disagree, I'm going to speak up. But if we come to a head, he has final say. So because of those rules that we've implemented in our business, we don't – we very, very rarely – I can't even think of the last time we just were both so dogmatic in our opinions. But – yeah, it has come to a point where we're just like, I don't agree with you. He doesn't agree with me. And so he's like, okay, so this is what we need to decide. I think we should do this. And I'm like, cool, I disagree, but I'm on board. And now he doesn't feel like I'm fighting him because that's also important. Your partner has to feel like you're both, you're there for each other. Um, yeah. And using that same tech technique and that same strategy we've done that with the house so our home life okay well who gets final say on things regarding family who gets final say on if we're decorating the house on our wedding right things like that where our wedding for instance he was like all right look you're the bride I totally get that you want to take ownership and everything about the wedding but here are two things that are very meaningful to me the music and the cake He's like, these are the two. Th- I don't care what you do with everything else, but I want input on the music and the cake. And I said, great, babe, that's totally fine. Absolutely. I want you to be involved. Um, and you, I'll give you final say on the music and the cake because that's what's meaningful to you. And again, like we just have rules of engagement and those rules of engagement, we adapt and we grow. And that rule, list of rules gets bigger and bigger as we get together longer and longer because new situations come up. Um, but yeah, I would just say no matter who it's with, like I said, if you're going into business with a sister or a friend, have rules of engagement. Um, and just to give you one other example, in fact, of, um, I, um, am a co-host of the Sheroic podcast with Cassie Ho, we're actually on hiatus right now, but we had rules of engagement and it was like, okay, the rules are our friendship comes first. And no matter what, if something starts affecting me emotionally towards you or towards the business or vice versa, then we know our relationship comes first. So are you willing to walk away? Yes. Are you willing to walk away? Yes. Great. That way, if we ever come into a disagreement where neither of us feels good about it or we're having negative experiences, we've both agreed upon our rules of engagement that we're going to walk away and no one then can have hard feelings, right? Because you can imagine that scenario where someone's like, what do you mean? You're giving up? What do you mean? You know, and then that becomes an argument. Um, So, yeah. No, I think those are great tips. And I also think that, though, it does take a certain personality type. Like, you have to be willing to be very straightforward and honest and blunt and just no BS attitude. And I think sometimes people aren't ready to do that. And in those circumstances, then they're not ready to go into business with somebody that they're emotionally attached to. You know, if you can't be completely honest. Yeah, I've got a question for you. Why do you think some people are not willing to do that? Or ready to do that, in fact, is what you said. I think that sometimes honestly I think it comes down to security with yourself and understanding yourself and I think a pride thing gets in the way with a lot of people Mm -hmm. um and until people are completely 100% confident and secure with themselves it sometimes it gets in the way of being totally honest and straightforward because they're still 
worried about what other people are thinking, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I love it. I yeah. think it hits the nail on the head there for sure. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. But I think that that's incredible. And it's clear to me, like, you guys have such incredible respect for each other. Something I love about you, which is, like, clear that everybody you work with and interact with, you have so much respect for them. And I think that that is so admirable and makes other people respect you as well. And I think in business, a lot of times, not everybody gives off that vibe of respect. Do you know? Yeah. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Um, I've definitely worked hard at that because um, I think ultimately, you know, at Quest, we were, at, when I was there per, you know, full time, we had, I mean, 1900 employees. I mean, it was massive. Um, and so I learned, you know, we went from nothing to that. And over that period of time, it's like I went from being just, you know, the housewife to the entrepreneur to then a boss, you know, and I'd never been a boss before and what it was like to have employees. And over time, you just realize like everyone is a human being. Mm -hmm. And if I want respect from somebody, I'm not going to use the size of the company on my success to gain the respect. Like that's so douchey. Um, but I do want respect from people. And so if I want respect from people, um, if I'm, you know, I need to be respectful back. And I think that's so important to remember. Like, I really don't care um, if you're, what position you are in the company. I mean, I love, there was one guy, um, Fernando, he was our cleaner. Um, and literally he would just like, what, clean my floors at Quest. Um, and every day he would come in and have a smile on his face. And I just thought, here's a guy that, like, he just brings joy to my room when he walks in. And so I don't care what position he's in. The fact that he brings joy and he always shows me such respect when he walks in that room, like, I'm going to show him that back. And so I got to know him and I got to know, you know, what his family was like. And then it got to the point where I was hugging him, hello, every morning. And it made me feel good. But he started it, right? He was the one that showed me the respect in the first place. And so I think we lose sight of... Um, how to treat one another because we get so caught up on what um, what we think about ourselves mm -hmm. that, you know, yeah, we lose sight of what other people really do mean to us and what they can bring to our lives. I totally agree. And I think also just a lot of us have these built-up visions of who people are in our heads, especially with social media, and we think somebody is – has they're in some – seed of power, I suppose. Maybe they have a big social media following or maybe they're the CEO of a company or maybe they're X, Y, and Z and we think that they're, quote, important. But, you know, my my experience with people is I don't care who you are. I'm judging you off of our interaction with each other. So what? I don't care if you're, I don't know, a CEO of a huge company. And if you treat me disrespectfully, like how can I respect you as a human? Because at the end of the day, it's like, I respect somebody's being and the, like not their status. Does right. that make sense? A hundred percent. And I think people get so caught up on status that they will treat people differently depending on their status. And, um, yeah, I think I learned that lesson very quickly on um, a movie set. So I came to America as I was dating Tom and I got a job as a set photographer and there were some A-list actors on set. And one of the guys was – one of the actors um, was extremely rude to me on set one day. So I was filling in a position for somebody else. And um, to cut a long story short, there were props and there were matches. And so the actor was um, lighting the matches. And, you know, five minutes later, the, the matches run out. And so he looks at me and he's like, Where are, where's more? 
And I was like, oh God, I don't have any. I'm so sorry. Like, let me figure it out. Cause I was filling in. I didn't, you know, kind of know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. And he threw the box of matches at me. Oh my gosh. So literally I'm on set. There's maybe 30 to 40 people on set as well. An A-list actor that everybody was like swooning over through this box of matches at me. And Wow. Look, I, I definitely have a fiery side inside me and that took over and I was young. So I think like now I'm actually able to control my emotions a lot more. But at the time I was like, why is it being so disrespectful? So I stood up in front of everybody and I said, look, there's no need to disrespect me. I totally understand that you need a new box of matches. I'm going to go find them immediately. I'm filling in for somebody. I know that's no excuse, but please just bear with me. I'm going to figure it it out, but don't, don't disrespect me again. And everyone went silent. The entire said everybody. And since after that day, he was so nice to me. And like I said, I was like, I was no one compared to, you know, Mm. other people on set, but I could have been fired for sure. Um, but in that moment, like my true raw emotions was like, I don't care who you are. You don't get to throw a box of matches at somebody. Like, that's so rude. Um, And that really did stick with me. And I always remembered that. And I always thought, like, I don't care who you are. Like, you don't get to disrespect me. And then vice versa. I don't care who I am, right? I don't care what position I am in or what I am co-founder of or the success I have. I don't have a right to disrespect somebody. Yeah, I totally totally love that and agree and that's so sad and I also think I mean I think for me being in LA has been really humbling Mm because I I meet so many people who are stars or a-list or whatever and then but then you when you see them in real life and you meet people you see their true colors and that is so much more telling have you then used that and changed anything within your behavior with other people I think it just made me much more aware of how I treat people and how I mean it's just really interesting when I interact with people and people are really putting people on a pedestal Mm -hmm. and I kind of can't understand that anymore. And I forget it's, I mean, it's because I have met these people in real life maybe. So I see people in a different light and it's just changed how I, I guess, judge people and I don't judge people until I meet them. Right. You know, and I've learned not to, uh, not to rely on what I think of someone just off of what I see in the media or what I've read. Because yeah. people can be very different in real life. And same, you know, sometimes I'll meet people, for example, who follow me on social media and they're acting like I'm a celebrity. And I'm like, okay. I'm not a celebrity. Like, what do you, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, and I don't like to be treated that way. And I hate that other people are thinking that, that you know, people live certain lives just because they have a certain following on social media or because they make a certain amount of money or they have a certain amount of what they think of as a as success when, I mean, that's a whole other issue. What is success, right? right? But I think it's just very interesting and it's, it's humbling, I think for me. Yeah. Um, the other thing that I kind of want to segue into is your health journey, because I think that, I mean, you've had quite a health journey from what I, I know. And I think for me, my own personal health journey has been really humbling and how I, and changed how I interact with people and how I treat myself and just how I appreciate life. And I want to like learn more about your story and I want to kind of share that with other people. So I know you've had a lot of gut issues. Um, can you maybe kind of go back to the beginning and share a little bit about what's, what's gone on, how that started? 
Yeah, absolutely. And just want to say, like, it was freaking me out how similar our health issues have been. Um, And that was like, just, I was so excited to talk to you because, um, yeah, hearing, you know, your story as well, it's, it's incredible. Um, But I, yeah, I can give a a absolute brief recap um, on what I've been through. So um, for our, let's say 15 years, um, Every time, like, I would have certain foods, I would get really bad stomach upsets, I would have bloating, I would have stomach pain, and over the years, it got worse and worse. So um, I was on a very restricted diet, I was, you know, under the impression that all carbs were really bad for you, and so I had absolutely eliminated things from my diet. And any time I would bring them back, even just once, um, over time, those foods became less and less tolerant to my, or my body tolerated that less and less. So as time went on, the more I would, let's say, cut out bread and then have a piece of bread, I would then be in complete stomach cramp disarray for 24 hours, if not longer. Um, and it came to a point where one day I got a stomach flu. And once I started recovering from that, I literally couldn't eat. Wow. And everything I tried to eat, it caused massive bloating um really high up in my um in my um stomach and what it ended up doing is it was so inflamed so regularly that there were times I couldn't stand up for more than five minutes at a time oh my gosh and and so of course the only thing that helped was not eating but not eating made me weak made me lightheaded so I would obviously need to eat And it was like this crazy battle of, you know, just of I need to eat, but it was giving me stomach cramps. And I would go, I went to doctors, doctors after doctors after doctors. I went to an allergy doctor. They told me I was allergic to beef and eggs and all the foods that I was eating. So I started reducing all the foods they were telling me I was allergic to. And then I went to another doctor and they told me I had SIBO. So I followed the FODMAP diet. And so again, I was like even eliminating more and more foods. So it got to the point in going to all these doctors after you know, let's say six months, I was down to like four or five ingredients. Like wow, that's wow. ingredients in total. And if you consider salt, an ing- I considered salt an ingredient. So I literally was on like lamb, um, what was it? Because I didn't have beef because the doctor told me I was allergic to beef. So it was like lamb, pork, chicken, coconut oil, and salt, something like that. Oh my gosh. Uh, and that was what I was having for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every single day for like over six months. Um, my hair started falling out because of course I wasn't getting the right nutrients I needed my nails were being brittle Um, I started getting super emotional and I'm not an emotional woman Um, but I started like just having like just crying fits at work like in my husband's like restroom because I didn't didn't know why I was crying Um, and so like it like changed everything about my life and it wasn't until I started trying the ketogenic diet that it's, I started to get on the path of health. Um, and I guess to give an overall explanation of really what I have figured out now has happened was because I wasn't eating many variants of foods, you know, 15 years ago, and I was getting sick a lot. And as I was getting sick, I was taking antibiotics. Well, the antibiotics over time were ki- killing off the good bacteria in my gut. And so because I wasn't replenishing the good bacteria, I was getting more and more sick. So I was taking more and more antibiotics. And so that's really why the um, the stomach flu ended up just completely blowing out my, my digestion um, because I had no good bacteria left. Um, I had completely wrecked the lining of my stomach, my gut. 
Um, I did have SIBO and I wasn't, um, a dr- I couldn't take antibiotics because that was part of the problem. And the traditional way of healing SIBO is antibiotics. So I was, wasn't really getting rid of SIBO either. So it was like this just t- web of tangled, like crazy things that were happening with my gut and I just couldn't figure it out. And yeah, like I said, the first step was a ketogenic diet because what that did was it helped bring down the inflammation. And if any of your listeners have ever been on a ketogenic diet before and got into ketosis, they'll have experienced, at least I have, um, reduced inflammation. So if you've got joint pain, if you've got anything like that, like ketogenic diet is incredible. And so that's what it did to my gut. It brought down the inflammation. So that in, that really was step one in getting on the right path. Um, and, you know, I've been suffering since that stomach flu. That was like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and for the first year, at least, I was embarrassed. I was just crestfallen with embarrassment because here I was, um, co-founder of Quest Nutrition, one of the largest nutrition companies in the world, and I can't even eat our product. And I was, sh- I felt so shameful. And I, I mean, looking back on it now, it's crazy that I did, but I think that's part of like human nature, right? Like kind of, I didn't want to tell the world that I couldn't eat our product. And I even go back and look at a photo that I posted on Instagram and it was a fake photo. And I said, oh, look what I'm having for breakfast today. And I wasn't, I couldn't eat it. Mm. You know, and so um, I think over time I've really been able to feel empowered by talking about my issues. And the more I talk about it, the more I realize how many other people out there are actually suffering suffering from digestion issues and either feel lost, don't know what to do, don't know who to talk to. Um, and so I think it's just it's time to start speaking up that it's okay to be um, open about it and to try and seek the the truth and look I, I completely blame myself and I don't mind that um but that is another revelation that has happened to me over the last year or two because you know I try to blame everyone else oh it was the antibiotics okay well Lisa you're the one that freaking took the antibiotics people kept saying yo you shouldn't take too many antibiotics but I never asked why mm-hmm. I never right like the doctor does, didn't force them down my throat sure he prescribed them for me but it doesn't help me blaming the doctor so I always try to use bad experiences and say, how could this be the best thing that's ever happened to me? And my gut, I specifically use because it's like, okay, it's asked me, it's taught me to ask the questions. It's taught me to say, what should I have done differently? Um, I should have asked questions about antibiotics. Um, I should have looked more into SIBO and seen, okay, well, how do I get rid of SIBO without taking antibiotics? Um, all these things that I just didn't do. Um, has really, really taught me a massive lesson. And I'm kind of implementing that into my, um, you know, my own life now with my food. Um, And yeah, I've really started the path of um, gut health by figuring out what is my problem? Because you hear all these other people talking about their issues and they're like, oh, well, I did this and I did this. But man, I'm just learning the gut and the microbiome is so complex that you literally cannot take what I do and copy it. You have to look at your own microbiome, figure out what bacteria is in your gut, what is good and what is bad, and then work on that specifically. Um, And that's exactly what I've done. I took a test called Viome. They're amazing. It's a company who um, they send you a kit and they, they basically take a stool sample and they analyze the microbiome in your gut specifically. 
And so they took all my data, they took all my um, results, and um, they basically said, okay, well, you have um, a parasite. And because I didn't have good bacteria to fight it off, the parasite was just living in my gut. Um, so we need to get rid of that. You have SIBO. We need to get rid of that. Um, and your bad to good ratio of bacteria is so skewed that they're not surprised that I can't digest any food whatsoever. So they broke it down. They said, this is what the step one, you have to get rid of SIBO. What does that look like? Okay. I have to eliminate these types of foods. Once you get rid of SIBO, you have to work on replenishing your gut with the good bacteria that you don't have. Um, and so that has been just such a long process because, um, for people who have never suffered from gut issues, just to give you an idea, it's like I could eat one carrot, one little baby carrot, and that could put me in such agony for 24 hours. So in introducing new foods back, I've had to do like a bite and I have to do a bite in just one day and I have to take a food journal and I have to write everything that, um, that I feel, do I feel dizzy? Has it given me stomach cramps? What is my bowel movement like? And then, okay, well then the next day, take another bite. Okay. Well, how do you feel? So literally just taking a bite of a carrot one day, every day for a week is how I've been introducing new foods back into my diet. Um, but you've, kind of going back to what I said actually at the beginning of the interview is like you have to have the big vision. The big vision for me is getting healthy no matter what it takes. But the steps along the way is the bite of the carrot, is the food journal, is the don't let it knock you down, you know, stay strong, stay positive, um, use this to make you stronger instead of making you weaker. Um, And so, yeah, that's where I am today. (laughs) Yeah, wow. You have had such an incredible story. I mean, I have so many thoughts racing through my head. I mean, I'm really glad that you gave that example of just taking a bite of a carrot because for me, I mean, I've talked about my experience reintroducing foods, specifically carbohydrates and explained to people, you know, I was eating, I would eat like two bites of butternut squash and that was what I had to start with and see how it would go. And people just think that that example is so ridiculous and they don't believe me. And I'm I'm like, no, that's really how it goes. Like you have to start that small. Yeah. And if you haven't suffered from it, and look, I completely get it because I think that I probably do this to a million other things that I have never experienced myself. But unless you have experienced it, you don't get the extent of what two bites of a carrot could do to you, Mm -hmm. right? Like versus the one or seeing it's just, it's incomprehensible. Yeah. well, and what also makes the gut issue so complicated is that not only is it having these intense physical effects on you, you know, whether that be just stomach pain, the intense bloating, if it's affecting your digestion, your bowel movements, but I mean, our gut is directly linked to our me- mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And your brain health. So it's bringing this whole other component to it where you feel like you're just completely not yourself because a lot of times it's, you know, causing you to feel depressed or anxious. It's completely taking over your brain. I'm so glad you said that. Like you are so spot on in a million ways. And if people are listening to this, I can rewind it. I want them to rewind what you just said, because it is so true. Your your mind is so hardwired to your gut, and that's why they call it gut instinct. I think your gut actually has as many neurons as a cat's brain. Yes. It's something crazy like that. So when you think about your gut having that many neurons firing and it communicating with your real brain, right, like a million times a minute. I mean, I made that number up, but you can imagine how much it's communicating. Everything is so hardwired. So the second you get a stomach upset, yeah, your brain's already affected 
or vice versa. Every time I would notice I would go to try a new food, I immediately could tell my mind was going like haywire and I was getting anxious and I was getting upset. And I'm like, I haven't even taken a bite of the bloody carrot yet. (laughs) And my mind is telling me to fear it, right? Because my mind has communicated with my gut for so many years about what eating has caused that my gut goes into protect, uh, sorry, my mind goes into protect me mode. Right? So it's like, if it makes me anxious, if it gets me um, hyper aware and on edge, it's trying to protect me by telling me not to eat the carrot. Because, you know, lessons have taught it that every time I eat the carrot, I get a stomach upset. So you've got to be so aware of these two things firing at the same time, and not letting it dictate your actions. Yes, absolutely. And then it gets even more complicated. Because I mean, our digestive process, like literally starts in our brain. So, you know, so if our brain isn't sending us those signals to start secreting the enzymes we need to digest and stimulating, you know, stomach acid production, like then you can't even digest it. So it's just this big back and forth cycle, which was what makes it so incredibly challenging to deal with on top of the fact that at the end of the day, this is a form of invisible illness, which people don't have enough, in my opinion, empathy for awareness about Mm -hmm. because there's this, you know, if people can't see it, they don't really think it's there, right? Yep. And so you can be walking around, people might think you're fine, but they have no idea the mental and physical pain that you're struggling with for years of your life. Right. Um, I kind of see a blessing and a curse in that. And you've already mentioned the curse, but the blessing is, is that it means I don't have to succumb to what I'm thinking and feeling. Yeah. So um, the one thing that I've been battling with my own mother, who I love her, she is like the, the light of my life. But the one thing I keep battling with her is she keeps wanting to ask me how I'm feeling, but she does it in the very negative, like, like there's not negative, but like the sad voice, right? Like, how are you feeling? Are you okay? You know, or as I'm eating, she's asking me how I'm feeling. And I literally, I, I've said to her, mom, when you talk to me, I want you to be positive and like, I want, I want the strength. I want you to come to me and say, all right, you're going to kick this, right? Like yeah. it makes such a difference on how people, at least in my family, talk to me and treat me. And I don't want that. I want like positivity and strength. And I don't want to address the weakness um, because I feel like it makes me weak. And this is just me personally. So when I think about my gut, I spin it in a positive. When I talk about my problems, I spin it in a positive because it implements the positive feeling in me. Um, and so, yeah, it's kind of the blessing and the curse because if people know that I'm sick, then they're always going to keep asking me, oh, how are you feeling? Are you okay? Can I help you? Can I do anything? But I almost don't want to allow myself to get in that mindset because I think that mindset can be dangerous where you see yourself as weak and you see yourself as helpless. Like I, I don't, I've never felt like that's behooved me in, in the past. How about that? I'm so glad you brought that up. That's something that I struggled with a lot as well. And I think part of the reason why during my whole healing journey, I really did separate myself from my family very much because I noticed people, you know, I moved out here to LA and the rest of my family is in the Bay Area and people out here, people I was just meeting, new friends I was making, they didn't know what was going on and they Mm -hmm. weren't treating me any differently. And that gave me more strength and helped me not think about it so much, you know, versus when I go home, it's always, are you okay? Are you doing better? You look a little bit better. Can you eat any more food? When (laughs) when can you eat more food? Like all these questions. And I just want to scream, stop like 
trying to throw a pity party or try, trying to make me feel bad that I there are certain things that I don't do well with, you know? Yeah, um, it's so yeah. true. And, I, and the one thing I want to add is I had the honest conversation with my mom as well because she's like, but look, I just care. Yeah. And, I, and so I had to recognize that as well. It's like, okay, for you, you want to show that you – care for me that you're there for me and so in by in doing that or your way of doing that is by asking me how I feel so she needs to have a release valve to let me see that she cares about me so I said okay cool mom how about you use this language um all right so how are we on um crushing this issue you know like use words like crushing it not like are you okay so or say you know, Lisa, I love you. Is anything I can do for you? You know, like the certain language you can use that yeah. actually helps me get stronger. And there's also language you can use that reminds me of the weakness that I am. And I'm not going to focus on the weakness. I'm not going to focus on how weak my gut is or how haywire my emotions are right now. I don't want to focus on the negative. I'm going to look at how is this going to make me stronger? And perspective is everything in my my uh, in my world. You can look at exactly the same thing and look at it as a negative or look at it as a positive, depending on the language you use around it. Absolutely, no, that is so inspiring. And I think, I mean, I think the whole issue of how we inter- how this affects our relationships and our lives is really interesting and an important piece. And I'm curious, like, how did this affect your relationship with Tom? Yeah, that was um, and still is like a great lesson of us navigating how we communicate with each other. Because I think just like human beings, but specifically men and women, we tend to handle issues differently. Um, Women typically get more emotional um, versus men. And so at least with me, I was noticing I was getting more emotional and I was um, doing things that were completely out of my character and personality, like crying at, at work. Like that so isn't me on a million levels. But here I am upset with him over something he did at work. And there I am crying in the toilet. And as my husband, but also as my business partner, he had to be honest with me. And I had to be open to listening to that because I don't think, and I think that some people fall into this trap, I don't think that just because I'm the one that's sick that it's happening to me. Mm-hmm. I see me being sick as happening to the both of us. And he needs to be able to have just as much input and control over how to handle the situation as I do because I'm not going to shut him out. Um, but there is a knock-on effect, right? There is a knock-on effect for him. There's certain things we can't do. Like for a long time, we couldn't go in our pool and we just bought a new house and I couldn't go in the pool because literally the weight of the water pushing against my digestion hurt. Wow. So now what we considered to do fun, we had to change. And so that is affecting him. Obviously, our sex life, you know, if I can be completely honest, it had to change. There's certain things we couldn't do. Um, and we had to alter and we had to navigate. And to think that that was just happening to me is selfish. Um, just because I was the one experiencing the pain, it was still having an effect on him. And so we really did have to like, get together and say, okay, well, how are you feeling? What are you feeling is affecting you right now? And so for him, it was, I feel like I can't talk to you the way I used to be able to talk to you with honesty because you're becoming very defensive. And then when you become defensive, you start getting teary. And when you become teary, you don't want to hear anything anymore. And so I had to really let that sink in. And I had to say, okay, well, I'm having these emotions. The chemicals are real, but I don't have to succumb to them. And so that was a massive breakthrough for me just in general as a human being in business as well. But 
okay, I'm not going to pretend I'm not upset because the chemicals are real, but my mind is telling me that. Yeah. But I have to trust my mind because when you really think about it, your mind is literally just a big lump of fat cocooned in a dark shell. <laughs> True. <laughs> and really, the only thing my mind is then absorbing is the things that I see, the things that I hear, the things that I smell, and the things that I taste. And that is all subjective too when you think about people being colorblind. Okay, so if I see color differently to you, I hear something different. Right, so when, you, when I broke things down and really understood how the brain is – trying to manipulate me and that I can manipulate it back. And again, it's kind of going back to the control thing. I like to always be in control. And if I think like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm super emotional and this is me. Well, that doesn't serve me or my goal, which is to have a great relationship with my husband. So if I go, okay, well, I'm not going to succumb to it. I can change it. This is in my control. What do I do? What are the tactics? What are the skills that I have to adopt and learn to make sure that I don't fall into this trap? And I used him as my guiding light when I, um, I really, I trust him so implicitly that when he says you're acting crazy and I really feel like I'm not acting crazy, I need to say, you know what? I need to trust him mm-hmm. because right now my mind is tricking me. My mind is telling me that I'm not acting crazy, but when I know that I love him and he's always going to do what's best for me in our relationship. I have to take what he says and go, okay, he says I'm acting crazy. And I, I use the word crazy lightheartedly. Um, but I mean like super emotional on, um, uh, what's the word? Um, oh God, the word's gone from my mind, but irrational. There yeah. You go. So yeah. if, He's saying, look, you're acting irrationally. Like everything in my brain is saying, no, I'm not. The chemicals are saying, no, I'm not. But again, can I really trust that? No, because the chemicals are trying to influence me. So we have this agreement where if if we actually believe that what the other person is doing is not in the right um, state for them, then we need to be honest. We need to sit the other person down and say it. So I just learned, okay, in moments where I'm feeling overly emotional, I should know that I can't trust my perspective right now. So listen to him. Okay, bring down my emotions. How do I do that? Go into a calming space, listening to music, having personal touch, skin on skin. Like, I just like to hold his hand. Like, all these things that I put into my life that I'm like, okay, these tricks allow my emotions to start, you know, dying down. Once my emotions are died down, now I can think clearer and I can analyze the situation. And nine times out of ten, once I do that and I analyze the situation, I have realized, yes, I was just acting irrationally. Um, And so... Him seeing that I was really trying to make it better, me seeing that he was really trying to help me um, get on the right path. So he was literally every spare second he had, he was reading health books. He was um, talking to doctors, phoning up specialists, the people that were writing the books. He was finding their contact information and phoning the authors. Um, I mean, and even to the extent now, we've literally, we haven't released it yet, but we've started a new series called Health Theory. And it's to bring on experts to talk about all aspects of life, new technologies that are coming, nutrition, fitness, like everything you can possibly imagine. And we started creating this show purely because we want to find the answers of my own health. And so my husband went out and started going, like, I want to bring on these people. Let's do a show. Um, So it's taking ownership and really working as a partnership to get to that end result. And obviously, for me, the end result is health. Um, And so I think hopefully that answered your question that it actually stronger as a couple. No, that's that's incredible. And it takes an incredible amount of strength as somebody who is used to 
and likes being in control. I had this experience as well because you have to give up, give up that control to be able to trust somebody and say, okay, I know that I can't really trust myself, but I trust that you're telling me right now I'm basically being irrational and unstable. And I had that experience as well. Um, but for me, I know I felt like a burden to the people around me because I felt like I was affecting their life. You know, they didn't want to eat at places and make me feel bad or they didn't want to eat in front of me and make me feel bad or things like that. Um, and so that was kind of my offering to them is that I would, I trusted them and I, instead of just like fighting against it, like trusted that they, they were right when they were telling me like that I was acting irrationally or like overly emotional and that sort of helped me get through feeling like that. And did that change your relationship with them then? Yeah, for a lot of people. I mean, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough line because I think with some people, I just really wanted to back off because I felt like a burden. So I felt like I should just hole up in my room by myself so I'm not affecting anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I realized that that was burdening them more because then they felt like they were in the wrong. They had done something to make me feel... Like, I wanted to run away from them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so then it just became, like, trusting myself and having enough self-confidence that I'm not being a burden and assuring other people, like, no, I like when you eat what you want in front of me. Like, (laughs) you know, like, eat what you want in front of me. It's not making me feel bad. It makes me feel worse when you are changing your life, according to me, but also me just being totally honest and asking people's opinion and saying, I need this from you. I need complete... I need you to be completely honest and straightforward with me and how you're feeling, what you think, and, like, tell me when you feel like I'm acting ridiculous. And that sort of helped even things out. Um, That's so incredible. And, like, there's so much strength in that. You know, and I used to actually think of it as a weakness, right, reaching out to people and say, hey, this is what I need from you. Like, oh, God, I used to really think it was a weakness. And now I think it's such a strength because you're not saying you have the answers. You're not saying, like, look, I can get through this and I'm strong enough. You're actually, you know, you are saying I'm strong enough to ask people to help me get to my goal. And being vulnerable, and look, I think you're right. There are some people that you have to choose very wisely because you have to make sure that you can trust them implicitly. Um, yeah. And I call that like in your sober moments, which means that it's not when you're emotional, right? Like when you're completely, you're feeling great, your mind's on straight, you can think super clearly, and you can tell yourself who are those people, who is that one person that I know wants what's best for me, and they're not going to have any other ulterior motive. And when you can make that decision and then reach out to them, like that is so strong, in my opinion, not weak. Oh, I absolutely agree. And it took me a long time to get to that and also helped me see in in that time who my 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 strongest relationships were with and who the true people that I wanted in my corner were mm-hmm. um because that's it, interesting yeah whoever you can trust in that moment who like because it really feels like you're trusting them with your life then you know yeah. that they're really in it you know um I, I another thing I wanted to ask you about which is I think is really important is just how this has changed your relationship with your your body and how you feel with your body and just this whole issue of you know, when you feel like you have to choose between the way your body looks versus um, doing what you need to do for your gut, for instance, or health. I know that you have a really strong passion for fitness, and I'm sure this has affected, you know, your training in some aspects and how you've eaten. I would love for you to talk a bit more about that and how this has affected, like, your relationship with your body. 
Yeah, um, this was one thing I didn't really see coming. So um, for me, a long time ago, I saw somebody, and I can't remember who it was, but I saw somebody with just great arms. And it was a female, and she had like these great shoulders, and it didn't look like overly masculine, which, look, I don't have a problem with, but that's just not what I um, I liked. Mm-hmm. But like they had like these definitions in the arms, and I just said, you know what, I, I want to get those arms. And I'm really the type of person that believes that if you set your mind to it, you can achieve anything. You just have to know what it takes and be willing to do it. So with getting muscular, um, you know, trimmed arms, okay, it means I have to be consistent in working out. I have to be consistent on my diet. I have to push through things. I have to, you know, all these things that um, can get me there. So I did it and I've been doing it for a long time and, um, you know, kind of started seeing the results. Um, And then once everything happened with my gut, of course, I wasn't getting the nutrients. I could barely get out of bed, let alone get in the gym. So um, and I was one of those people that I love the gym. Like some people see it as pain and they go there and they hate every second. I'm one of those people that I have to set an alarm on my phone to tell me how long I've been training for because I will lose track of time (laughs) because I like lifting so much. Um, So in saying that, you can imagine when I, I could barely eat, I couldn't work out. And for about three months, I just didn't go to the gym. And that broke my heart because I was getting so much joy and mental clarity from going and working out. Um, So initially, that obviously completely um, that stopped that fitness side of me, which I was very sad about. Um, And then the muscle that I had built started to dwindle because I had, um, you know, I couldn't lift and I wasn't intaking any protein. Um, and but I was just losing weight. I was getting skinnier and skinnier and skinnier, and that really broke my heart. And you know, I was kind of just at that point just trying to focus on how do I eat? Like, how do I like actually sustain holding something down, not being um, so in agony? Like one time, I put a tiny bit of pepper, um, like the herb, yeah, on my food, and I literally did a bit, and it it destroyed me so much. My husband was literally like seconds away from rushing me to the emergency room. Um, so I just, I, I didn't even have time to focus on my fitness. I was, I didn't want to, um, I never really looked at myself in the mirror to be honest, because I was like, I don't want to see how skinny I've gotten. Um, and so once I got over that though, now I'm in like this new phase where I've been able to build my muscle up. I've been able to, you know, have more foods and I can sustain more food. So, um, I've been in the gym loving it. I've had to kind of make sure that I don't, um, like for instance, I can't do crunches on certain days if my tummy's hurting, so I can't work my abs on certain days. Um, if I'm having a bad day, I can't do squats, so I can't do anything that's lower body. So I've been able to kind of adapt, you know, and I think that it's been great and I haven't really had any problems there. But now I'm actually in a new phase because with my um, rebuilding of my microbiome, I'm on a very regimented food um, introduction list. So I've got a massive list of food that I have to introduce to back in my diet one at a time, as we spoke about one bite at a time, one week at a time. And there are foods on there that I have for many years deemed bad for you. Um, you know, like, um, watermelon, for instance, it's like sugar, it's Mm -hmm. fruit, but it's, it's full of sugar. And I don't, as far as I know, there's not as many nutrients in watermelon that there are, let's say in berries. So I just didn't eat watermelon. Well, now they want me to eat watermelon. So I started and for a second, I actually hesitated on whether I did the diet because I was like, this is going to change my body. And 
I decided to be very open and honest about that feeling with people. And I think that some people are going to judge me for it, but I've told myself I actually don't care because the truth is I need to own my thoughts before I can fix them. Yes. And so if I can't own that I hesitated, it means I'm not addressing the issue. But what I did is I owned it. And I was like, all right, Lisa, you just hesitated. Like, what is your hesitation? Okay, my hesitation is I don't want to slip backwards into losing my muscle or changing my body because I've worked so hard for it. Okay, now I understand my hesitation. I go back to what is my goal? Like, is my goal to, like, have a great physique or is my end goal to actually be healthy? Because if my end goal is to have an amazing physique, great, I know what to do. Ignore the diet, right? Like, keep on the terrible diet that I'm on and keep working out, all right? If that's my goal, I know how to get there. But if my goal is to be healthy, how do I get there? I have to start introducing new foods. I have to build up my gut biome. I have to be, you know, introducing new good bacteria. Okay, well, and now I know my goal and I'm the person that isn't going to let things like um, watermelon get in my way, right? Like I, I'm not going to let things get in my way of achieving what I want. Um, and so I have now understood my feelings I've processed my feelings and thoughts and emotions, and now I'm very comfortable with having the watermelon and all the other foods that they've told me that I need to eat over time. And I have completely anticipated and accepted that my body will change. And I've, I'm okay with that now because I told myself, like anything, you don't always have to be there. So my plan and goal focus on health, get my gut back back to 100%, be super healthy and keep the health, but then build back up my body that I ideally want. And I can do that. And if that takes a year, if that takes two years, if that takes three years, um, I've realized that I'm okay with that because I know now my plan of action. I know what I'm trying to get to. And yeah, I don't stop at something small like letting my physique get in the way. I really, really appreciate you being so open and honest about that. And it takes such incredible self-awareness. And I think that, I mean, what you just said, I think so many people listening to that can relate to. And it's such an important point and takes a lot of strength to tell yourself, okay, I'm going to surrender to this idea of what I think my body needs to look like Mm -hmm. um, and go after health. And that can be a tough pill to swallow in today's society, especially as women. Yeah, it's... It's so true. And to be honest, the thing that drives me to speak up about it and to like own, like, yeah, I did hesitate, um, is the fact that I think most of us do. Yeah. And I think that most of us have been in some form of situation like that. And I only want to empower people. And in talking about it, it empowers myself. So it is absolutely, you know, selfish on my part as well that is helping me get stronger. So the more I talk about it, the more stronger I feel about, yeah, health is the answer, right? Like it's that positive reinforcement in myself. And it's just, I don't know, like it's just letting people know it's okay to have these bad thoughts, but it's what you do about them, right? Mm -hmm. Like we've all got the voices in our head. We've all got the voices telling us we're not good enough and we're not slim enough. We don't have enough muscle. We're not smart enough. We're not pretty enough. Like guaranteed every single listener has had that type of thought somewhere or another. But the question is, how do you use it? Do you own it? Do you then use it to change your behavior or not? Or, you know, or do we then judge others for it? I'm sure people are judging me right now, but I'm not going to let that stop me and my goal. And where I want to go. So 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you have to be self-aware about those thoughts in order to become stronger and also get to the root of something deeper and understanding, okay, why am I having that thought? Because mm-hmm. so many people just, even if they know that they have it, they say, okay, I thought that, but then they don't try and really get to know themselves and why, why they're feeling that way. Yeah, I used to do the self-talk, like, oh, shut up, Lisa. You know, I would just say that yeah. to myself, right? Like, oh, shut up, you're fine. And But it never really addressed it, right? It's like I, I knew that the voice was there. I knew that I had to shut the voice up. I just didn't know how to do it. And I thought by just telling it that it would slowly go away. And the truth is it didn't. So now I've almost, you know, tell myself it's my friend, right? The negative voice is my friend. Again, going back to perspective, if it's my friend, then it can help me get to where I want to go. But I have to acknowledge it. I have to analyze it. I have to think about it. I have to break it down. And then, you know, thank you, friend, for helping me get to the, you know, being healthy. Yeah, exactly. I'm curious. So right now, so basically what started to allow your body to heal again was when you did switch to the ketogenic diet and that reduced your inflammation. And well, I have a few questions about that. So when you when you when you transitioned to the ketogenic diet, what changes were you making? Because you were coming off of just eating basically meat, right? Right, correct. So I stopped having the chicken. Um, I actually started implementing fatty foods that I, the doctors had told me I shouldn't eat. So beef, they told me I shouldn't eat. Eggs, they told me I shouldn't eat. Um, but I was like, well, if I'm going to go keto, like there were more ingredients I have to add to my diet. Mm-hmm. So I added really fatty beef back. I added egg yolk back. I added butter. Um, so I started just going, okay, these are the foods that I'm not eating right now, but I have to experiment because I have to progress. Like I'm just like treading water at this point. Yeah. So if I'm looking to reduce the inflammation in my gut, I need to be able to get there. And at the time, Quest, we were doing a lot of research behind the scenes on the ketogenic diet and the effects on the brain um, and, you know, the foods that we could do to be on a ketogenic diet. And so the Quest R&D department really helped me put together a plan. They were making me meals um, in their R&D, like, all right, Lisa, we think that you can stomach this, like, try this. And so immediately, like, there were foods that I was told I couldn't eat that would really upset my stomach, but because they were super high fat, it actually didn't upset my stomach at all. But I had to introduce them slowly, of course, but I was fine. And so it made me realize that, well, like, wow, what else am I not having that has held me back? So I went on a ketogenic diet. My ketones were amazing. Um, and I had really reduced the inflammation, but I wasn't solving the bigger problem. So every time I was trying something that wasn't, you know, fatty or even that was fatty, let's say homemade keto ice cream, for instance, I used to make it. And every time I had it, it would give me a stomach upset, like really badly. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand why I'm like, okay, well, my ratios are great. It's, you know, like I'm checking my levels. It's still keeping me in ketosis, but it's wrecking my digestion. And why is that? Well, when I look now, it had sweeteners in it. It had, I was using dairy. And so when I look at the bacteria and the microbiome, the, the microbes in my gut, I realize I right now cannot tolerate lactose. I cannot tolerate any sweeteners or sugar of any kind. So the ketogenic diet took me to a great starting point of reducing the inflammation, but it wasn't actively changing the bacteria in my gut. And so once I went on to the Viome test where they really broke down every bacteria in my gut, the fact that I had a uh, parasite and how to actually eliminate the parasite, 
which I have now over a period of six months, I got my test results in last week. I don't, I no longer have SIBO. I no longer have a parasite. I took my diversity in my gut, um, which means if you think about having lots of different variations of bacteria in your gut, I only had a 6% variation, um, which is like unheard of. <laughs> um, I took it from 6% to 18% over a period of six months. Um, and so I know I'm on the right path. I know that everything that I'm doing is working. Um, I just need to keep going, keep being patient, reanalyzing um, you know, the bacteria and then keep adjusting. But the ketogenic diet helped with the inflammation. Um, and that really was the starting of the, the healing process. I mean, because it also allowed me to eat more. And so my nutrition was getting better. My hair was slowly getting slightly thicker. My nails weren't breaking as much. Um, so yeah, that's what the keto diet Okay, well, first of all, congratulations on Thank how you. much progress you've made. It's incredible. I Trust me, I appreciate it. Um, and it's, again, it's so crazy to me how similar we are because, I mean, it was the same thing with me. using. I used keto to allow myself to start finally healing. That was kind of what helped me. And even down to, like, I think you're the only other person I've ever talked to who also was intolerant to black pepper. Like this, like this Really? Spice. You had the same with black yeah, pepper? Yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, and same with, like, the lactose and the sweeteners. I mean, I can't handle any type of sweetener. Um, but, yeah, it's just interesting. So, well, now, so now, are you still following a ketogenic approach? Um, so, in fact, I have my ups and downs still. So, I was doing really well for two weeks, and then two days ago, I what I call a relapse, where I just – for whatever reason, I, I don't even know. I think um, we had a big shoot day. And so sometimes, like, um, I, again, going back to the mind and the body, when the pressure is on, and when I say shoot day, we have um, a big crew come in. There's about 20 people. We have, um, you know, A-list guest celebrity come in, and we do an interview show. Um, and it's always crazy. And I don't ever feel stressed. But I'm not starting to notice a correlation between big shoot dates and how my digestion feels. Um, so anyway, so two days ago, we had a big shoot. And my gut just, like, it went into complete disarray. Like, complete disarray. And I was, by the end of the evening, I was super nauseous, dizzy, lightheaded. And so immediately what I do is I change my diet. Um, I go straight back into keto because what's happened is when I get into complete disarray, my entire gut gets inflamed. And it's like if you injure yourself in the gym, right, that they say the first thing you have to do immediately is put ice on it. Um, I know that the second my gut goes into disarray, it's completely swollen and inflamed. So I have to reduce the inflammation before I can do anything else. So I immediately um, go into super high fat, um, and that's exactly what I did for the last two days. And it's helped settle my digestion again. Um, I was able to go back to the gym today because um, I had to take, you know, two days off or whatever, or one day off, I think. Um, because, again, I was just weak. And I was like, well, I'm not going to work out when I'm dizzy. That's stupid. Like, I've done that so many times in the past because I keep telling myself, you've got to be strong, Lisa. You can do it. And, again, realize that the strength comes into when knowing when to work out and knowing when not to. Um and so, yeah, I just adjust my diet according to how I'm feeling. And I think you really need to be in tune with your body to do that. And for me, keeping a journal for, you know, the last six months of every single meal I've had and how it's made me feel has really helped me 
um, do my analysis on what works and what doesn't. Yeah, no, I love that. And also that you're bringing up the, the correlation, the, the direct impact that stress, emotional stress has on the gut as well is incredibly, incredibly important. Yeah, it's honestly like it, it's one of those things that now it's coming out and people are talking about it. It seems so obvious. But I when when the doctor had told me six months ago, when um, the doctor that I'm working with for my gut right now, she literally said, okay, step one, like two major things that I have to do. Don't eat three hours before bed. Mm-hmm. That's a major one. She said, because, because your digestion is so in disarray, you don't digest food as quickly as other people. And what happens is when you're sleeping, your body goes into a cleansing mode. And it wants to pass everything through, clean out your gut. It like does this whole process. Think of your a computer rebooting, right? That's what your body does every night. Now, if my gut isn't empty, what's happening over time is it's actually blocking and stopping my body from um, rebooting my gut. So she said, you need to make sure your your stomach and digestion is completely empty. So you can't eat for three hours before bed. So that was one major thing that I changed. And then the second thing is you can't work while you eat. Now, I work all the time. Like I literally, I'll, work, I'll walk around. I put all my food in a bowl, um, no matter what it is, because it's easy for me to walk around and eat with. And I literally, <laughs> grab, like, because I think about how can I be most productive in my days. Yeah. So I literally walk around with a bowl where she's like, you've got to stop that. When you eat, you have to sit down, you have to close your laptop, you have to take a deep breath, and then you can start eating. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, that's crazy. She goes, no, no, no. Your your brain has literally hardwired itself to know that every time you go to eat, that you have to be tense. And then your muscles go into spasm before you've even taken a bite. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was like, huh right you know what like be open to anything you know like I think I don't think you can like reject an idea unless you've tried it so it's like cool I'll I'll give it a shot so for like three weeks every meal I literally said to my team I was like guys I'm going upstairs don't want because we I um I work from home so all the team come to the house I was like I'm going upstairs no one can disturb me for 30 minutes and I would sit there and I would take a deep breath and I would eat and I realized wow it's actually making a difference like this is crazy um, and yeah, I mean, and now in talking to you and talking to doctors and understanding the brain a lot more and, you know, doing our show health theory, like it is so evident now that the brain and gut are so wired together that by only dealing with one is not setting yourself up for success. You mm-hmm. need to deal with both. Yeah. No. And I think sitting down at the meal times, this is one of the most common things that I talk to clients about. Like everybody needs to realize that your body cannot digest unless it's in that rest and digest state that parasympathetic state Mm -hmm. and unless you are sitting down in a calm state you literally physically cannot digest your body cannot produce the enzymes it needs to do to break down your food and digest it and just that simple change can make the biggest difference especially for everybody especially for those of us with gut issues yeah yeah it's huge do you meditate by the way i do do you um, I have, I'm one of those like really terrible rubbish meditators. Um, like, <laughs> what does that mean? Um, it means that I, I try and look, <clears throat> I'm not the type of person that gives up. So I just know that I'm not doing it right yet. And I haven't trained my body yet. Um, but it means that I'm that rubbish person that sits down, closes their eyes. And is like, all right, Lisa, you can do this. Start meditating. Take a deep breath. Oh God, you forgot to send that email. Oh, no, don't think about email. Okay. Take another deep breath. Oh my God, I forgot to set the alarm right like my Mm. mind goes into so many different like arenas that I've been sitting there for 10 minutes and I think I 
have thought about a million different things and I haven't actually rested. Um, but that's but okay. Yeah, exactly. Th- no, that's how. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's how it starts. I mean, I was like that for probably a year. You know, that's it's really? it's still meditating. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think people have this idea in their heads that meditation, your mind has to be completely blank. It's yeah. not about that. It's about teaching your body to eventually get there. But it's okay if it's not. It's just about if you are sitting down and taking making the attempt. The attempt is succeeding mm-hmm. in my eyes. Yeah. So you are meditating. If you're if you're dedicating that time, even if you feel like your brain is running a million miles a minute, that that is you putting a judgment around what it what is meditation, what is correct meditation. Um, but you've you don't have to go that far. You've already done it correctly just by making the intention. Oh, I like that. I definitely told myself that about <clears throat> the types, the the way that I meditate because I try to do the whole like crossing my legs and doing the <laughs> hand thing and doing the um and I'm like I feel I don't I'm not comfortable like this yeah. is hurting my back. I'm not like I'm saying um, but it makes me feel really awkward. So my husband was like, babe, like do what works for you. He's like, don't freaking sit on the floor with your legs crossed if it feels uncomfortable. Like where do you feel most at peace? And I was like, I actually outside. Because, you know, everyone's like, oh, you need to be in this type of environment or this type of environment. And he was like, just ask yourself what is relaxing for you. And so I started, like, changing the way that I was sitting. I started changing my environment that I was in. I realized I actually really love wearing, like, the Bose headset or the Beats, I should say. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's all-encompassing. Having, like, um, just, like, relaxing nature sounds really works for me. Um, But I can't have crickets because crickets annoy me, you know, like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Really, like, breaking it down and going, okay, like, there must be a way to do it. I'm just not doing it right. Yeah, I think that's another thing. It's, like, there people need to just figure out what works for them. I was in that trap for a long time, too. For for me, I know apps really help a lot of people. For me, I cannot use an app. It really – it almost stresses me out. Um <laughs> And when I use it with, when I do it without an app, I, it's so much easier for me, but I had this judgment around it. Like I need an app to tell me what to do. And as soon as I sort of just disregarded that, that idea, Uh then things worked out. I think it comes back to this general theme of just like being in tune with yourself and what you need and what your body needs. And we have so many messages sent to us from so many different, you know, people and media and we put, it makes us put these judgments around the way we live our lives. And as soon as we just sort of disconnect from that and say, okay, that's fine. That's cool. That's going out there. But at the end of the day, I'm going to do what works for me and my body, Mm -hmm. you know, then things fall into place. Yeah, exactly. And and recognizing that everything is a tool, but you're not going to use all tools for all situations. So Mm -hmm. it's like, I'll take any bad idea, right, that comes my way and I'll analyze it and think about it and try it and see if it works for me. Um, But yeah, like that, I totally agree. Yeah. No, I love that. Okay. So I, last question, I'm curious. So like in, it'll be before this, but let's say you in five years, when okay. your gut is just has incredible diversity and yeah. you're feeling amazing, w- like where do you see yourself and like personally and professionally, like um, everything down to like what, wh- how are you, like what do you want to be eating like and what do you want your training routine to be like and what do you want with your relationships and how you want to like use this experience to fuel your professional endeavors like where do you see yourself wow that's a massive question um 
Okay, where do I see myself? So I definitely feel like my health holds me back on certain things that I can achieve. I don't like to accept that because I don't like to use it as a reason why I can't do something or get somewhere. But I think the reality is it does stop me from doing things. Let's say if we're talking about fitness, for example, Mm -hmm. um, it absolutely does stop me from um, doing certain moves in the gym, like, you know, like certain crunches, certain types of ab work, things like that. So from just like a surface level, like I'm excited about the things that I can do in the gym that I've had to work around Mm -hmm. um, because of that. Um, It's definitely held me back in regards to vacations with my husband. Um, I have to think about, okay, what are the places that I can eat? Um, Things like that just you know, I try not to let it hold me back um, because I don't want to miss out on occasions because of it. Um, but it absolutely has made me have to think about it. And so not putting that energy there, I think, um, is very exciting because then I can put the energy into just looking forward to the trip versus having to think about all these like nuances that could potentially make the trip a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, with my husband, um, it's really brought us closer emotionally and it's really brought us closer in our communication. Um, So I'm absolutely thankful and grateful for that. But there are absolutely still things that um, hold us back on going out, doing things um, in that aspect. So absolutely looking forward to not having that hold us back. Um, He likes to um, roughhouse. So like he loves to tickle me and he loves to, you know, like... (laughs) grab me and just throw me on the bed and you know things like that that are so endearing and sweet and intimate yeah Um, and it's those little things that he hasn't been able to do um so yeah like I miss those things yeah so it's, it's really the small nuances like I don't feel like I I have told myself and actually really do believe it that it hasn't helped uh, held me back in business. And the reason why I say it is because it's made me understand everything we do and it's actually allowed me to embody everything we do. So take our show, you know, in our company impact theory, it really is to create impact and our content, um, does just that and it does it on the mind side of things and now we've just created health theory um it really is putting together the mind and the body and having these two shows where we're bringing on just incredible people to discuss it um i feel is so exciting and i don't know if those two things would exist completely if i hadn't been going through what i'm going through um so from five years from now i definitely hope that that has changed people's worlds people's lives the way they do things the way they see things um so from a company's perspective i think just getting more content that can create impact um would be very exciting yeah it really is a blessing in disguise and i think it makes you just appreciate all those little things in life so much more yeah it's so true and i know um, like a lot of people say like, oh, everything happens for a reason. Um, I don't personally believe in that, but I do believe that in a shitty situation, we look for p- a purpose to make ourselves feel better. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is a very powerful thing. And, you know, um, I think I said it earlier, but stealing from Tony Robbins, he literally says, how can you take the worst day and make it your best? And It is one of my favorite quotes because we all have bad days, all of us. We all fall, we all fail, we all have fear, we all, you know, are ashamed. We all, like, there's all these different emotions and feelings and circumstances that we've all been through. But if you can ask yourself in those moments, how can you make this the best thing that ever happened to you? It's changing your perspective. And with that, 
with my gut, with my health, it has changed my perspective on everything. Um, so I am super grateful and excited and speaking up and speaking out about it. Um, it has been such a shock to me on how many people have gone through the same, somewhat the same thing. Um, and so it, it feels like it's an epidemic. And I don't know if that's true or if I'm just now aware of it but it feels like an epidemic. And I feel like if we, you know, yourself, myself, people who have been through these things can be honest, can be open, can discuss the struggles, the real struggles that we face, and then how we've overcome them. I think this could be the be most beautiful blessing because at least suffering, me personally, if it can help other people, great. But if it's just suffering for suffering's sake, then I just feel shitty about myself. Mm -hmm. Wow. Everything you just said hit my heart. Thank you so much for saying that. all of that. Um, <laughs> and I really appreciate your voice in this space and you speaking out about everything. So thank you for like all of the work you do seriously. I think it's so important. Um, oh, and I just want to thank you back for you having your podcast, for what you do, for you being open with your story, for bringing me on. Um, you have been just absolutely incredible and wonderful. And yeah, I am honored to be on your show. Oh my gosh, I'm honored to have you. And I want other people to be able to find more of your content. So can you tell everybody where they can find more of you and everything you do? Yeah, absolutely. So the best place is to follow me um, at Lisa Bilyeu, and that's B-I-L-Y-E-U. Um, I'm primarily on Instagram. Um, that's just my personal social that I spend the most time on. If you look at my IG posts, they're more like blogs. Um, <laughs> they, they, I take like an hour to write it, um, but um, I always try to bring value. So yeah, Instagram's my place. And if you just want to see the cool content that we're putting out, you can go to impacttheory.com. Um, and that's where Health Theory will be released on March 1st or 2nd, I believe. Um, and then our primary show is on there as well with incredible guests who have also shared their experiences and, you know, they're athletes, musicians and um, just incredible people that speak very real like we have. Amazing. And also your podcast, people can listen to the episodes, right? Um, absolutely. Yes. So be heroic. You can listen to that. Like I said, we're on hiatus right now. Um, we kind of break them into seasons because we both have such, um, personal businesses that we we build. And so we basically have gone on to hiatus, hiatus during the busy season of fitness because Cassie Ho is obviously very much in the fitness space. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the episodes are still up, go listen to them, check them out. Um, hopefully it brings value to people because that is absolutely my primary goal in life. Amazing. Okay. Well, thank you again, Lisa, so much for joining me. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. Oh, thank you, sweetie. Appreciate being on. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Lisa. Thank you so much to her for coming on the show. It was incredible talking with her. Make sure that you check her out on Instagram, Lisa Billu, and check out Impact Theory. Check out the She Wrote podcast all the things tell Lisa how much you love her because I love her and if you haven't already joined the Facebook group wellness realness podcast tribe would love to have you in there leave a rating and a review on iTunes it helps a lot get the word out about the show make sure you get ready to sign up for my paleo women lifestyle program would love to have you in it and I'll talk to you again next week bye